faithfulness of God. And it's what I want to talk to us about today. I, I want to get real. Can we get real? You know, I, so many of you I have coffee with, I sit with you, you come up for prayer, and I hear the stories that, you know, with everything going on financially in our nation right now, it's tough times. You know, it's tough times. You're digging deep. Some of you are breaking open savings you hope not to break open. Some of you are believing every week for, uh, for food. Some of you, you know, are, are wondering where the next deal's going to come in. Some of you, I spoke to someone recently who had to retrench people in his company and was just, he was literally crying over that. And so, so they, I, let, let's be honest. You know, there are some tough things going on. And all the more, I want to say, all the more I want to say, wow, look at you guys go. Look at you guys go. I loved something that Dorian said last week. And he talked about the different kind of eco economic systems that we can look at. Remember, he's talked about socialism and he talked about capitalism. And we can have one of those two. We can kind of have a hybrid of them and various combinations. But he said, that's not really what we're going for. We're going for a kingdom economy. And God... God is bigger than the economics you learned at university, although praise God for all of that that you learned. But there's, there's a God who paves his streets with gold. He puts under your feet the very thing that is most valuable in this world. I mean, this is, this is the God that we serve. And... He works on a different agenda. He works to a different timetable. He works from infinity. I don't know if any of you have done maths, but infinity, if you, if you halve infinity, it's still infinity. If you take three quarters away from infinity, it's still infinity. If you take nine-tenths away from infinity, it's still infinity. If you take ten... 999 millionths away from a thousand millionths. Uh, am I working this right? It's still infinity. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if, that's, if I'm saying it right, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't matter how much you take away from it, it's still infinity. And this is God. There's no end to Him. And when you said yes to Jesus, you stepped out of a certain human economy into a God economy. And there's certain ways that it just works differently. And the problem with so many of us is that, that we stepped into the God economy, but we kind of left our finances over there in that other economy. And we try to kind of wrangle it in that other economy. And God's saying, bring it all here. Come, bring it in here. And let's, let's work on a kingdom agenda for your finances. So that's what I want to talk about today. Lord Jesus, I just pray that as we broke open your word, that you would, you would come and do something great amongst us, Lord. Father God, we refuse fear and we grab hold of faith. Lord God, we, we acknowledge many of the difficult places we're in, but we also acknowledge the greatness of who you are. And Father God, this is an opportunity to take our eyes off things that have mesmerized us for so long and put our eyes on you. And Lord God, we, we welcome this opportunity to show you how much we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. So we are talking about Amazing Grace. Remember, we did a four-week series on Amazing Grace right at the beginning of the year, and then we jumped over to Kingdom Life, which was amazing, and we talked about how, how to live well in the kingdom. And now we want to just dip back into Amazing Grace. 
he had planned to do this right from the beginning, long before we knew about coronavirus, long before we knew about the economic systems or the, the, the drop in the economy, the world economy. We, long before we knew we'd be purchasing a building now, we planned to take two weeks to talk about grace and finances. So Dorian opened that part last week, and I'm going to conclude it this week. But I just marvel at God's provision. It's like, like he inspired us with that thought that we just we didn't even know how much of a God thought it was and how perfectly it would dovetail with whatever is going on right now. So I want to start with a story, and it's in the Bible. First of all, sorry, I want to start with the definition of grace that we looked at way back when. And that grace is the indwelling presence of God empowering us to do what we could not do without Him. And when I think of finances, this is so very true. This is so very true. In, in your own ability, there are so many things you can't do. In our own ability, we can't purchase that property. In our own ability, we can't take care of our community. But it's not just about our own ability. There is a God who's pouring out grace to us to enable us to do things that we could not do on our own. So the story I want to start with is in Genesis 26, and you can start reading it from verse 4, from verse 1, sorry, it is about a man called Isaac who was the son of Abraham. God had given these great promises to Abraham and then transferred those promises onto Isaac. And we start in verse 1, and it says this, now there was a famine in the land beside the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. What is mind blowing is that that same promise came from Abraham through Isaac to you and me. This is our promise. This is the word of God to us that through us all the nations of the world will be blessed. What's interesting about this story is that there was kind of an a economic system that operated in the world at that time, in the, in the Middle East at that time. Egypt had an unrelenting source of water in that every year the Nile flooded and watered the land. So no matter what was happening in the weather systems, Egypt always had food. And so what happened is in, in famines, in times of famines where the rain hadn't come or something had gone wrong with the crops, people would journey to Egypt to get, to get food. As a result, Egypt was super wealthy because anytime there were problems, you know, everyone came to them and bought their food. Yeah. And Isaac is in this in the land of Israel, and he is, he is following the promises of God to be in that land. God, God has said, this is the land I will give you, and it will be to you a land of milk and honey. It will be to you a land of provision and abundance. But here Isaac is, is hearing those promises of God and seeing something else in his environment, and he's tempted to jump into the cultural 
way of handling his finances. He's tempted to jump into the prevailing way of doing things and head off to Egypt to go and buy food for his family. I mean, it's not an illogical thing to do. It's what everyone was doing. But God comes to him and says, I want to do a different thing with you. I, I want to show you my provision. I want to show you that I'm bigger than the world system. I want to show you that there's more to this financial thing than just following the common economic methods. And he tells him to stay in the land. He tells him to stay in his inheritance, to not hand over his inheritance for economic reasons. And I feel like God's speaking to us. Remember the promises I've given you. Stay in the promises. Stay where God called you. Stay in the place that he has said to you, this is where I will bless you. The story continues. We jump down to verse 12. He has a little interlude in between uh, involving his wife and the king Abimelech, which we will leave out. You can go and read it for yourself. It's not Isaac at his best in that moment. But here he goes back to his best. And it says from verse 12, And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Isaac had a choice. He had a choice to obey God, or he had a choice to follow the prevailing economic systems of the time. And Isaac chose God. And in that place, he reaped a hundredfold so that the nations around him were jealous. Yeah. You know, when I was reading this, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know any Philistines to be envious of me, but, you know, I just, I just thought about South Africa. And I thought, imagine if there comes a time when America envies South Africa because of our obedience. And there's almost a, a, a subtle promise there that even if you're in a place that is not, I mean, they, they, he wasn't in Egypt. Everyone in, envied Egypt. Everyone in, envied Egypt. He was in a place where theoretically no one should be envying you. And yet his obedience meant that the nations around stopped and said, Oh, my word, I wish we could be like that. I want to say that that's the kind of influence, that's the kind of greatness, that's the kind of blessing that obedience brings. And I, I feel like God's saying to us, that if we will stay in the land and we will plow, we will do everything that God has told us, we will sow, we will... We will give what God has asked us to give. We will be those people that are a source of blessing in this place. There will come a time when the, the so-called wealthy nations of the world will look at us and say, Oh my word, I wish we were like that. I wish we had that. Why not? Why not? You didn't choose to be born here. 
God put you here. And he put you here for a reason. And his reason is good and right and true and filled with every good thing. Amen. Amen. So three points I want to make out of this story. And the first one goes like this. The Lord blessed him in his obedience. It says in verse 12, And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. God said, stay in the land. And he stayed in the land and he sowed his seed yeah. in obedience. I think I've said this to you before, but I'm convinced that none of you are sitting with like millions of rand just stashed away somewhere that you don't know what to do with. I, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. If that's true, come speak to me. I'll tell you exactly what to do with it. But my guess is that, that you don't have that. And my guess is Isaac didn't either. My guess is when he sowed in that land, in his obedience to God, as he sprayed out his one handful of seed, he was thinking, my word, there goes that holiday that I was going to do with Rebecca. Oh, my word, there goes that new camel that I was going to buy. You know, the, the seed, which kind of represents our finances, came from somewhere. In, in order to be that kind of generous, giving, sowing person, the stuff that you give is going to come from somewhere. Yeah. It, it's going to mean that there's going to have to be a rearrangement. Something is going to have to be undone so that you can do this. Yeah. So that you can obey God, something else will have to be undone. Yeah. But it's a temporary sacrifice. It's a temporary sacrifice. Because I tell you, by the time those Philistines were envying him, he was going on any holiday he wanted to. He was buying whatever camel he wanted. Yeah. It's a temporary sacrifice. And how could he make that sacrifice? Because he knew who God was. He knew who God was. He knew the faithfulness of God. He knew that you can't outgive this glorious God. He knew that God was a blessing God. I, I feel like this is something we often forget. We often f feel like God is this kind of like rules and regulations master. Follow this or die. I want to tell you a story. Well, it's not kind of a story. It's, it's kind of a something. You'll hear what it is. <laughs> so, when I was little, my parents had this thing about Christmas. And they, it was like the, the day of the year. And they made it big, and they made it wonderful, and they made it glitzy, and it was full of gifts and tinsel and sparkly stuff and food till you couldn't eat anymore. And we would wake up every Christmas, and there was this one rule. No one could open any gifts until mom and dad were awake. Yeah, I know. I mean, and you know, they slept, and they slept, and they slept, and they slept, <laughs> all the way to 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can you believe it? I mean, what were they thinking? And so we... <laughs> We would often get out of bed at some ungodly hour, who knows what it was, and we would tiptoe down the passage, trying not to make any noise, because we'd be in trouble if we woke them up. That was another rule, you don't wake mom and dad on Christmas. And we would tiptoe down, and we would just, we weren't allowed in that lounge until they were there, but we would peek in, and I mean, it was just, it was like glory, I mean, 
tinsel, sparkly gifts every My mom would like, she wouldn't keep them under the tree. She would like spread them over, they'd be on the chairs there, there. So to make it look like it just rained gifts. And it was just, it was lovely. And then at some stage, my parents would wake up and we'd all go to the lounge and we'd just be like free for all, lovely, like child's delight. But now what if like I got to around 11, you know, that preteen age and I, I start saying, hey, I don't know if I want to do like this anymore. So I feel like I'd like to get my gifts in the dining room. I mean, we, it was religious. Our gifts were in the lounge. So what if I said, hey, I don't, want, I don't want to do that. I want to get my gifts in the dining room. And I, I went, you know, went boldly down the passage, sat myself down in the middle of the dining room and said, gifts come. Gifts come. I know my parents have promised me gifts. Why aren't the gifts here? I mean, even now you're saying, I mean, some of you are parents, some of you have parents, you all have parents. You know, you, you're thinking, what is the absolute arrogance of that? But here's the thing. God is a blessing God, but he blesses somewhere. We don't get to determine where the blessings come. They come in a place, and that place is called obedience. And you can sit in disobedience, the disobedience dining room, till you are blue in the face. The blessings are not coming there. I'm telling you, my dad's a very strong-willed individual. I could, have, I could have died in that dining room. He would not bring those gifts there. We do it in the lounge. But here's the thing. So many Christians are running their lives the way they want to and calling down the blessings of heaven and are angry at God because the blessings aren't coming. It's not that God's not blessing. I'm telling you this. My parents would have sat all the rest of the family in that lounge. They would have opened gifts. No one would have touched my gifts. They had my name on it. My blessings were sure. No one was going to steal them. But until I got to the lounge, I wasn't getting them. And for so many people, the gifts and the blessings of God are piling up. They're piling up in the place of obedience. God's not going to let anyone have your gifts, your blessing, your place. But his call is come to the place of blessing. Where's that place of blessing? The place of obedience. The place of obedience. Not because God's a hard taskmaster, but because that's the best place. That's the good and right place. God is a blesser. Not that kind of blesser. <laughs> As it came out, I realized. That's not the right word to use. God blesses. Hebrews tells us that he exists, and those who come to, believe, come to need to know God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. Deuteronomy 28 verse 2 says this, when God lists the blessings of, that are coming to Israel, and he says this, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, guys. Not, not just the blessings are coming to you. They're going to hunt you down. They're going to, I mean, it's like you, it's going to be raining gifts so that you just have to pour your way through the, the gifts to find light. They're going to overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Can you see? It's in the place of obedience. That's where the blessing is. That's where the blessing is. That's where the blessing is. John Calvin, one of the great reformers, said this. 
However many blessings we expect from God, His infinite liberality or generosity will always exceed all our wishes and thoughts. As I said, half of infinity is still infinity. I mean, God can, can be to everyone so much more than you've ever imagined and still have so much more than you've ever imagined. There's no end to Him. As I've said, I don't know how many times. I don't care how big you're praying, your prayers are too small. I don't care how big you're believing, your believing's too small. God's desires of, for blessing for you are so much more than you've ever dreamed of. And his call is come, come to the place of obedience so that I can pour out on you a blessing that you cannot contain. Open the windows of heaven to give you what you could not possibly use in your own lifetime. Because that's who I am. The Lord blessed Isaac in his place of obedience. And then he reaped continuously. Genesis 26, 13 says this, And the man, Isaac, became rich and gained more and more, and he became very wealthy. I love how it said he gained more and more. It wasn't just like this, one lump sum, bam, psh, there's your blessing done. It's like it kept on happening. And it kept on happening because my guess is he kept on sowing. It's like he reaped a hundredfold, and he didn't just have a great party and eat all that a hundredfold. He sowed some. And he kept on sowing. And as a result, in that continuous blessing, there was continuous increase. So many of us, as Chris said in that recent presentation, is we are, we are hoping for this once-off, fix-all moment. And you know what? Some people get that, but it's very few and far between. And it's not God's normal way of operating. Is mostly God fixes things line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. What does he do? He gives you increase. You, you steward that increase well. You do well with that increase. You're obedient with that increase, and more increase comes. You're obedient with that increase. More increase comes, and more and more you prosper. More and more you prosper. God watches what you do with the little to see how much he can entrust to you. Way back when, I mean, Andrew and I are doing well now and we're well taken care of and we live a lovely life. I'm so blessed. But we've had times where it's been really, really rough. Really, really rough. We've been, we've been church planting in different places and people, you know, we raise support. Sometimes they pay their support, sometimes they don't pay their support, and you know, you, we, were, we were planting a church in Namibia, things were financially tough, and at that stage, I didn't have any form of income, and I remember saying this to God, Lord, I want you to teach me now how to be the kind of person that can be entrusted with much. I want to now be a generous person. I want to, even with the very little I do have, I want, I want you to teach me how to be faithful and good and right and obedient with this. So like I said, I had no money income. 
But the one day I looked at my cupboards and I realized I have clothes, nice clothes. I like nice clothes, so I had nice clothes. And between me and God, I, I felt him say this, I don't want you ever buy clothes until you've given them away. So I started a habit that I have. And I went to my cupboard. I can't remember what proportion of it, but a significant proportion of my wardrobe, I took out of the wardrobe and I gave it away. Before you could know it, I mean, people were giving me stuff. Ladies, handbags to die for. Beautiful clothes. Just, just out of the blue, these things were coming. Or people, you know, something would happen and I would... Uh, speak someone and someone would say we can't pay you for this but here here's like so, so a voucher for this shop where you can go and get these beautiful clothes so it's like it's like clothes just kept coming from all these places the next year I went and I did the same and more clothes came and I did the same I did it with my children's clothes they were too young to argue <laughs> I did it with my children's clothes I mean People would come to people would stop me in the street when I was walking with my children and say, Oh my word, that's such a beautiful outfit. Where did you get it? It's like just the best, we were the best dressed family in Namibia, even if I say so myself. I mean, just just that came in everywhere. And it's like I, I eventually I couldn't give clothes away fast enough. I just didn't have a place in my wardrobe. This past Christian Christmas, I still have the same habit. I I started taking things out of my wardrobe to give away. And I, I try to not just give, you know, the things with the holes in and the things you don't really want. I try to, I try to give some things that, you know, I like. <laughs> I like that shirt, but I'm going to give it. And, and I started taking them out. And I was putting them in dustbin bags, not because I was going to throw them away, because they were no big enough suitcases. So I was just easy to carry, you know, and to to give away, I ended up filling, I said three in the first service, but I remembered it was four large black things, like to the brim, like overflowing, like picking them up, they, they breaking worth of clothes away. And you know, when I opened my clothes, I still had clothes. <laughs> and, and my point is this, is you can't outgive God. And when you are faithful to learn the art of giving, even when you don't have, it's that, you know, I have faith now. I mean, it's like I know. I know. If I give clothes away, I'm going to get clothes. I mean, I just, it's like there is no doubt in my heart. Why? Because I practiced. I've been practicing for years. I've been practicing, practicing saying yes to God. The same applies with all your resources, with your finances, with your car, with your time. Is that learn faithfully even when you have a little. Because over time, that will become more and more. And the, the blessings of God will bring it so that you can be faithful with the much. A scripture that Chris also alluded to earlier in his property presentation. 2 Corinthians 9 from verse 6. The point is this, says Paul. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. What is the end of all God's blessing to you? Every good work. Every good work. 
every good work. So many, so many Christians are just believing to be taken care of. They're believing to have their debts paid off. They're believing to make it through the month. They're believing to just, just have whatever needs they have taken care of. And as I've said before, that's too small. It's too small. That's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is so much bigger than that. That you would be taken care of, but that you would be a blessing to others. That you would abound in every good work. That when you see someone who's struggling, you would be the answer. You're not going to be the one who's always like believing for the handout, believing for the, uh, the someone to help you along. You're going to be the one who's going to be helping others. You're going to be giving others the leg up. You're going to be the one contributing. You're going to be the answer, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. We quote that scripture so much as saying, I'm going to be wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. No, it means you're going to be the leaders. You're going to be the influencers. You're going to be the, the greatest servants. You're going to be the one, the change agents. You're going to be the ones who are making a difference in the world. You're going to be the ones who are supplying the answers. Every good work. God loves a cheerful giver, not under compulsion. What does that mean? Is that we're not just obeying the letter of the law. We're hearing from God. And when God says, give, you give. Why? Because we are so sure that God is faithful and will give in return. That God will provide for us. That, that our well-being is not dependent on our own efforts. It's not dependent on the goodness of God. The goodness of God. The first time I gave away clothes, I don't know that I laughed much. I think I was just, it was just obedience. I mean, when I gave away this last December, I was like, it was like, yes, oh my word, I could give this too. Oh my word, that bag, I haven't used it for ages. I'm giving it to, I found a handbag in my cupboard with stuff in it that I'd even forgotten I had. I was like, yes, so great. I mean, it was like, it was like a party. I mean, I just, that hilarious, joyful giving just came upon me in power. May that happen to all of you. That's who God's called us to be. Charles Spurgeon, another great from a long time ago, said this, God gives by the cartload to those who, are, who give away by the shovelfuls. In Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus says this, Give and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, poured into your lap, it will be given to you. With the measure that you use, it will be given back to you, he said. What does that mean? Is that you can take one. You know you get those tiny little teaspoons that are even smaller than a teaspoon? Mm -hmm. Have you seen those? The tiny little dainty ones that you're supposed to use at tea parties and things. I don't know what good they are. But you can, you can use one of those and you can just, you know, you can give, give with your little tiny mini teaspoon. And then, you know what? God's faithful. He's going to take your tiny little teaspoon. And he's going to pack in as much as he can get there. He's going to press it down. He's going to shake it down. He's going to, he's going to make it overflowing and he's going to pour it back to you. Or you could take a huge shovel and you could give away with a shovel full and God's going to pack into that shovel everything he can get. And God can get a lot into a space. Or you can just take a cartload and you can say, what the heck? God's going to pack this full anyway, so let me just give it with all my heart. Bam, there you go. The measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. Choose your measure well. 
Choose your measure well. Find the biggest one you can find and give with that. If God were not true, if God were not real, this would be foolishness. Absolute foolishness. But the point is that God is real. And I, this is the only thing that God says, test me on this. In everything else, he says, don't test me. On this, he says, test me. Isn't that great? You know, right now, some of you are skeptical. You're like, oh, I don't know. I invite you. I invite you. Go home. Look at your bank account. Take something that will hurt a little bit and give it and see what happens. Give it into a God work and see what will happen. Last point. Your blessing is for the blessing of the nations. He says, starts off with this promise to Isaac, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And verse 14, he had possessions. Isaac had possession of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied them. I, him, I don't know who the Philistines were, and I, you know, we're very hard on those poor Philistines in the Bible, but, but hey, they were envying Isaac. The nations around were looking at him and saying, wow. The promise, not even the promise. I want to step away from that. The, the identity, the function, the call of every Christian is to be a blessing to the nations. We stand in a lineage that started at Abraham, that went through Isaac, went to Jacob, went to the nation of Israel, went to Jesus and came to us, that we are the hope of the nations. We are meant to be blessed so that we can bless nations. You, Like I said, your call is not just to be a blessing to your son or your daughter. Be that. Good. You're supposed to be that. But more than that, you're meant to be a blessing to the nations. Blessing to the nations. You are blessed to be a blessing. Revelations 19 verse 10 says this. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I, I remember Dorian saying something last week in his sermon that really struck me. He talked about his first salary. Do you remember his first salary? And I checked with him today because I couldn't remember the exact amount, but it was 3,500 rand was his first salary. And he talked about how he was, he was faithful with that. And he gave faithfully his tithe and offerings from his 3,500. Wouldn't touch that before he did anything else with his 3,500. And he talked about how at the moment he is overseeing a deal in the U.S., that's worth one billion U.S. dollars. How does, how does someone go from overseeing three and a half thousand to overseeing one billion U.S. dollars, which is 16 billion rand? How do they go from there to there? By being faithful. By staying in the place of obedience. It didn't come in one big shot. It came by day in, day out, doing what was right, doing what you were called to, doing what was required of you, being obedient, sacrificing short-term gain for long-term blessing, yes. saying no to things in order to say yes to the things that God was calling him to. But also at the same time, 
it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That testimony that he released is meant to be a prophecy to every one of you. This is what I want you to get. Is that, I mean, he's a wonderful guy. And his wife thinks he's very special, but he's not really special in the economics of the kingdom, in the sense that what God will do with him, God will do with you. And when you hear something like that, I hope it's opening up your heart to say, God, that's what I want. That's who I want to be. That's the kind of life impact I want to have. And so... I feel like I want to release into every heart that kind of expectation. That I am going to be faithful with what I have now. And I am going to, I'm going to diligently remain in the place of obedience so that I can remain obedient even in the big things. Amen. In conclusion, the blessings of God follow continuously those that obey Him continuously. Your blessing is for the blessing of the nations. Thank you.